If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You just found the world's number one fitness, health, and entertainment podcast. This is Mind Pump. All right, in today's episode, we answered fitness and health questions, but we opened with a 52-minute intro portion where we talked about current events, we talked about the news, scientific studies, and we mentioned In all our that jazz. sponsors. Here are the topics for today's intro portion. We open up by talking about how it's not sugar or fat or salt that is making your health bad and your body overweight. Then we talked about ButcherBox, one of our incredible sponsors. By the way, if you'd like to check them out, they deliver grass-fed meats to your door for incredibly great prices. And right now, they will give you free bacon for life with one of their boxes. Head over to butcherbox.com forward slash mind pump to get that hooked up. Then we talked about Dana White getting COVID, Jake Paul versus Tyrone. Then we talked about old school bodybuilding motivation, Viagra and its effect on Alzheimer's, physical therapy statistics. By the way, we work with a company that works with physical therapists. They actually come to your door to help you with your therapy. You don't have to go through your primary care physician. Your insurance will cover this. Go check them out. And if you're a physical therapist, you can moonlight with them to increase your pay. Head over to getluna.com. That's G-E-T-L-U-N-A.com forward slash mind pump. Uh, Then we talked about crazy Spotify numbers. We talked about how there was a 21% bump on our downloads. We talked about a new kinetic launcher throwing rockets into the sky. And then we talked about about the Michigan kid who accidentally called... Sean Murphy by misdialing a number. Then we got to the questions. Here's the first one. What are the best and worst exercises to do cheat reps on? The next ex- the next question, what are the most overrated supplements? The third question was, what which grip is best and safest for deadlifts? And then the final question, how does lack of sleep affect performance in the gym? Also, all month long, we're running a 50% off sale on two of our most popular programs, MAPS HIT, which is High Intensity Interval Training, and MAPS SPLIT, which is an old school body part, body split routine and advanced. Both programs half off. Go check them out. Head over to mapsfitnessproducts.com and then use the code DECEMBER50. That's December 5 0 no space for that discount. All right, here's some interesting facts around uh, nutrition. Many of the negative effects that have been associated with sugar and even fat are really attributed to uh, when you overeat them. In other words, when you look at a diet that is low in calories, even if it's high in sugar, high in certain types of fats, many of the negative effects are actually gone. So you might wonder, well, why then do we attack sugar and fat and why are they connected to poor health? Well, here's why. Sugar, fat, and salt, salt is another one, together make food hyper palatable. So if you observe populations that consume a lot of one of them or all of them, what you're probably looking at are people that just overconsume in general. All right. So let's talk about this a little bit. Hey, Talking better, about human behaviors again. That's here. it. Yeah. A better hook, I think, would have been sugar doesn't make you fat. Fat doesn't make you fat. Yeah. I think everybody knows that though, right? I mean, I think I think that's become uh, when we first started. I don't know. There's still lots of thoughts out there that sugar is like the cause of all obesity. Yeah, you know what? It, it, in this, okay, and this is what's interesting about it, right? You can find studies that find that diets uh, that are high in sugar cause more problems, inflammation, uh, higher rates of cancer, Alzheimer's. You can find studies that show this with certain types of fats as well. 
And then there've been studies where they have people eat a high sugar diet, but the calories are low or a diet that's high in saturated fat, but the, ca- but the calories are low or like keto diets. When those first came out and became popular, people eating tons of fat and, and, but low calorie and you saw blood markers improve, health improve. And so everybody's kind of confused. And yet we still see these studies that connect these macronutrients, especially salt also, that, con- that connect these macronutrients to poor health. But really, it's about overconsumption and sugar, fat, and salt. This is very well known. Those three are mm-hmm. the three main components that make food hyperpalatable. And what we've done in modern times is we've really figured out how to engineer foods with those flavors through either you know real sources or chemical sources to make them so hyperpalatable that you overeat. Yeah. And so what we're and here's what's interesting. Sugar consumption has actually dropped over the last maybe decade or so, and yet people are still getting more obese. We're just eating too much. That's the big problem. It's just really difficult to curb cravings when you have all those flavors to consider. And I mean, there's still a lot of people out there that literally seek after foods based on their flavor alone. And that's really like the amount of thought and and effort that put into a lot of the meals that are created. Um, where when you add sugar into the mix, it really does sort of um, perpetuate this this craving, this longing for more sweet things in the diet, which then the, the calories really start to add up before you know it and it gets away from you. So how do you feel about like health and wellness experts that demonize sugar uh, when you see them post about it? What, what goes through your head right away? Well, there, I, you have to know too that in the, in the context of overconsumption, which is pretty much everyone mm-hmm. i mean uh, on average is over consuming that's the biggest point right there yeah right so so do you think it's good or bad or indifferent advice when you see something like that well two things first uh health and metabolism are way more complex than you know what i might have just presented there's a lot of complexities there right but the truth is of course like what i said earlier overconsumption really is what results in a lot of these negative effects now i don't demonizing sugar, demonizing fat, demonizing salt, because a lot of it has to do with overconsumption, I think people might get the wrong message. And so they'll say, oh, I got to avoid sugar, but then they'll continue to overconsume and then not understand why their health is poor. Now, I think if you educate people the right way and say, here's why sugar can pose issues. Here's why certain fats can pose issues. Here's why if you combine those things with salt, with salt it can pose issues. It has a lot to do with how much it makes you want to eat, and you avoid other nutrient-dense foods that maybe aren't as palatable, that don't result in you overeating because you're going for these foods that are so damn enjoyable to eat. Well, I'm a little conflicted by it because uh, it does immediately sort of address a lot of issues like in, in people's diets if you start just focusing on removing sugar uh, because of just what follows up with that. Uh, so to demonize it, it's kind of like, you know, that's not the whole story, right. uh, but it does help at least address kind of like one of the biggest um, invaders of bad habits uh, that that tends to kind of uh, stack the dominoes in that direction. I, I'm with you, Justin. I'm conflicted when I see something like this. Like we have our friend, like Lane Norton, who loves to like just destroy the the wellness space that mm-hmm. likes to to do posts like this. But then I also know from experience, like I'm sure both of you, that if I had a client, there's been many times where all I did was I don't worry about anything else. I just want you to reduce your sugar from this many grams to this many grams, right? So we, I have them track their food. Mm-hmm. I kind of see where they're at, and I see that they're 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 grossly over consuming in general, but 
primarily a, a majority of those calories are coming from sugar. And I also know the behaviors around sugar. And so I know instead of getting into all the nuance and science around what exactly is going on with their body inside by them eating over calories yeah. or sugars, I can just go, listen, right now on average, you're eating 90 to 110 grams of sugar a day. I want you to cut that below 50. So let's try and manage that below 50. Don't worry about anything else. We'll get there later on. And instantly I can see a huge difference many times just by doing that. So I feel torn when I see that advice coming because the truth is that advice probably helps a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But then I also understand where Lane is coming from because he's right in the context of low calorie. You could literally, you could eat 500, if you're a maintenance calorie. Yeah, let's so say, long as you eat your essentials, right? right. Let, let's say, well, yeah, even if, even if you weren't doing that, say somebody is, uh, you know, 100 pounds overweight, their maintenance caloric intake, so for their body to stay the same is, uh, say, let's just say 3,000 calories. Uh, they technically could eat 2,000 calories of ice cream every day and live off it, and they would lose weight. Yeah. But and you would see blood markers improve. Even. That's right. You would actually see all the health markers improve in that time period. But would you guys ever recommend somebody eating 2,000 calories of ice cream? No, because we, we you cannot remove how foods make you feel, hmm. the kind of cravings that they produce. So, yes, you would lose weight. Like There was this one uh, scientist that, in order to prove his point, I don't remember his name, but in order to prove his point, he went on a fast food, processed food diet but kept his calories low, made sure he ate his essentials. In other words, you know, you still have to eat an essential amount of protein and fats, otherwise your body can't function. And he did that. And just to prove to his students, look at my, my blood markers, look at my triglycerides, I lost weight, blah, blah, blah. But here's the deal. Can somebody, can most people do that and also feel good, stick to it, not feel like they have tons of crap? No. So you can't separate the behaviors and how you feel from the, I guess the physiological, you know, what happens to my body effects, you know, yeah. from, from, from eating this way. So I think it's all important, but I do think it's important to understand because here's what happened in the eighties. In the eighties, we were sold in the nineties, even we were sold that it was fat. Fat is the problem. So what did food manufacturers do? Well, they cut fat out of their processed foods, but now the foods don't taste good. So what did they replace the fat with? Sugar. Yeah. They added lots. So in the when I was a kid, there were aisles of fat-free, low-fat foods. But in order to make them enjoyable to eat, they increased the sugar. Did obesity drop in the 80s and 90s? Did health improve in the 80s and 90s with the reduction of fat yeah. uh, coming out of food? No. no. It actually kept getting worse. Well, I have like two thoughts. Um, and this is in the context of like keeping that amount of calories low and being in a deficit, but still like including a lot of sugar in your diet. Um, you know, I, I'd be curious to see if there's still this sort of degrade in your teeth, if, if there's like a oh. rotting in your teeth, uh, and also too, how that affects, you know, your insulin, uh, if you're just inundating it constantly, even with sugar, even if it's at a low calorie volume. Yeah, that's a good question. And like, and like I was saying, it's, it's more complex than what we're talking about. But if you look at the, the negatives of sugar that are connected to sugar, you do reduce, dramatically reduce a lot of them just from cutting overall calories. And this is true for all the demonized stuff. The best studies that I can think of are these, are the ones that show that, and these are the best studies that they've done because they're controlled. Because a lot of these other studies are observational. For example, we notice that people that eat a lot of sugar are more obese, have higher rates of Alzheimer's, have higher rates of cancer. The problem with that is what I was saying earlier, which is they're probably seeking out more hyperpalatable foods and they're probably all over consuming as well. So is it the overconsumption or is it the sugar? So the best studies that I've seen are the ones where they've taken people 
And they've actually, and they're crossover studies, meaning they'll take the groups, cross them over to see if the effects still exist. Mm -hmm. And they'll take these two groups of people and they'll say, okay, you over here, group A, you have unlimited access to whole natural foods. And group B, you have unlimited access to these heavily processed foods. And they'll even make sure that the macro breakdowns are extremely similar. So the foods all have a similar protein, fat, carbohydrate breakdown. Then they'll, and then they'll observe them. So they're literally in a lab. They can't do anything else and they're observed. So they count the calories. The scientists are watching. What are they eating? How much they're eating? It's up to them. They can eat as much as they want or as little as they want. Then they'll take the groups and they'll switch them. Now they'll take B, put them in group A's room and take A and put them in group B's room. So it's an excellent study. Yeah. And they find on average, people consume 600 more calories a day mm. when they have mm -hmm. access to heavily processed foods. So you eat 600 calories more than you're eating or, or over your surplus now you're going to store body fat, and then you're going to get a lot of the negative effects associated with that. And that's from heavily processed foods. And remember, heavily processed foods are foods that, that food scientists have literally engineered to be as palatable as, as possible. So it's like, it, it's, like, it's like comparing an apple versus like apple-flavored candy, yeah. right? Uh, it's grapes versus grape candy. Like- I can eat so I can eat so many apples, but I bet you I would overeat apple flavored apple jacks or candy far more because they've added things to just really tip it over uh, the scale of uh, of hyper palatability, which causes you to overeat. So we're looking at the wrong things, but that doesn't mean we still shouldn't look at those things. So we mm. should still look at sugars, some kind of fats, and salt, but not because each of them are evil, no. but rather. What's the relationship with those in, in overeating? And then let's educate people on this and help them, you know, create behaviors around overconsuming. The truth is, though, that people don't necessarily want. I mean, they may say they want to be educated, but nobody wants to go through the effort of of learning. You know, it's like they want it. They want the quick. Just tell me. Yeah. Can I have sugar or can Give I not have sugar? Tell me. I'll follow it. Yes or no. Mindlessly. It's just they want the the fifteen second clip. Yeah. The trick is to figure out what's the. What's the easier answer? It's obviously going to be very complex. Um, in my experience, the best the best results I ever got were people were where I just simply told them to try to avoid heavily processed foods and then go ahead and eat normally. And that would typically result in now you're not going to get shredded doing that. That when you start to get shredded, you have to like count calories and all that stuff. But people would get to a relatively normal body weight if they followed that advice. That was the easiest one for me. I don't know. What about you guys? You guys? Yeah, no, I, I did the same thing. But mm -hmm. I also even the sugar one that I said, I, that was yeah. I, I had a lot of success with that. I had a lot of clients that uh, ate well over 80, 90 plus grams of sugar and not coming mostly from fruit, mostly coming from processed foods uh, and just giving them a number that I wanted them to manage under and I knew that that would indirectly affect calories, just like the staying away from the processed foods do, does the yeah. same thing. It's not we're not telling them to count calories or reduce their calories, but we know inevitably what ends up happening because we know right. the behaviors around those types of foods. So I had a lot of success with just limiting people from from eating that much. Yeah, and just adding more fibrous uh, type foods and and you know green leafy type vegetables in there, like just adding that in and starts to turn and change the palate a well, bit. Well, that's what naturally happens. And protein. Is, yeah, it's, and then it just, it follows suit to that. And then just trying your best not to drink calories because it happens, like a lot, a lot of my clients didn't realize how many calories they were consuming so quickly just by drinking them. Hundreds. So, Hundreds, sometimes thousands. I yeah, that like was a thousand calories of soda. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I still. I mean, we just so in the. Let's see here. What's the? What are we? December something, right? So we're in the mm -hmm. first week or so of December, and I 
every I don't think I've made I don't think I've made three days in a row since Halloween that I haven't had some sort of candy, uh, pie, cake, ice cream, some one, and since it's been introduced before Halloween, I couldn't tell you the, the last time that I had any of those things since Halloween. Those things have made their way into my diet so so often that it, I don't think I've strung even three days of one of those not being yeah, in the diet. Yeah, same and here. I and I know that it's be, it's available now. It's in my house. I know that I've I've you know I've opened up. I broke the seal. You know what I'm saying? I've had it now, and now I at night I find myself Dude, craving. It that. creates a feeling that is hard to resist. The best example I can think for myself is this: right, if you put a bowl of plain peeled boiled potatoes in front of me, I am not going to overeat them. But if you slice them, fry them, cover them in salt, by the way, adding calories. So you're adding, you're making them more calorically dense. I'll overeat the hell out of them because it does something to my brain that makes me want to continue eating past the point of being uncomfortable. This is also, by the way, why artificial sweeteners have not done anything to solve the obesity epidemic. You know, artificial sweeteners are sweet but they don't have calories. Mm. There are no studies that are not- Outrageously sweet. There are no obsolete. So studies will have people live their daily lives, replace sugar with artificial sweeteners, and nobody loses weight. It's not because they didn't reduce calories. You could, you can very easily reduce calories with artificial sweeteners, but the problem was they would reduce the calories by having these artificial sweeteners, but then because they're so palatable- and because they're not coming with calories, your body actually makes you want more food. They eat more. So they make up the difference, even though they've cut out the sugar from their sodas. This is why it's a terrible, for most, unless you're controlling and counting every macronutrient, which nobody does, it, it doesn't result in weight loss for anybody. Now, do you think the, the cravings, the overeating, would you attribute that to chemically what's happening inside of my body more? Or that it's attached to some old behavior more. Which one do you... Because I, I look at like Katrina. Like she doesn't have the same problem. Yeah. She can literally... We can have a candy bar in the fr freezer or something. And she could break a piece off of it for the next six months. Like that just... That yeah. would never happen. Especially one that I like. And maybe she, maybe it was if one I don't like, I would even do that. But if it was something that it's I... like an almond joy? Yeah. yeah. Right, if it's something I'm not really into, <laughs> that maybe. But if it's something that yeah. I like... I love like she, same yeah. thing with like a little, a little, you know, pint of ice cream. Yeah. She could get it out. She could take two or three bites, put it back. That thing will last a whole damn year in there. If it's in my, if I open it, it's gone. It's done. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. I think it's both. I think it's, it's all of the above. It's so complex. And, and here's the problem. The problem is in all of human history, we've never been presented with this problem where we have all the food all the potential flavor combinations, all all available, all cheap, and all fast. Yeah, 24 hours. So, so, so here's the problem. We are now in a position where, and dare I say, the solution is like you almost have to go on a spiritual journey, yeah. literally, to create this different relationship to food. In the past, you didn't. There wasn't an issue because I, I, I could want to eat all the food I want, just don't have it. So the issue is I got to find it. Now it's everywhere. It's cheap. Uh, doesn't matter. Nobody starves in Western civilizations, uh, modern ones at least. The obesity kills way more people. So now it's almost like I have to develop this relationship with food where it's like abstinence, discipline, valuing food for lots of its different value, developing balance. And you never had to do that before. So I think it's both, Adam. I think it's it's the behaviors, how you connect to food. When I'm stressed, when, ever since I was a kid, I would eat food. Now when I'm stressed as an adult, this is my coping mechanism or... 
you know, it helps me forget things or when I'm sad or every time I watch a movie, this is how I, the types of foods I like to eat or this is how I connect with people. You, or I never learned to enjoy food for its other values aside from its palatability. Like it's a completely different problem and it's very so complex. So I, I 100% uh, believe or know that it's both. The question I think I have is which one is which one is more powerful because it, back to my point with like Katrina is like it, it it doesn't seem to affect her the same way. Now I tied mine back to my childhood. I've told you guys this before yeah. that you know there's there's four always four to five of us kids in the house at all times. Uh, we didn't have a lot of stuff as far as like we didn't get tons of treats, so it was a big deal if mom came home with a, a quart of ice cream. It would be a big deal if we had one thing of Oreos and you got five kids and two adults and you're all fight fighting for it. Yeah, we're all fighting for it, and so. You know, I I knew that if I went to get it, I would I would overconsume it because I knew that it was probably the only time I'd get it. Like one thing of Oreos, you got seven people eating out of it. So you yeah. learned to binge. Yeah, I knew that I couldn't just have two and then come back three days later because three days later it would be gone for sure. So when I went in to get it, I got to get the serving size that I I want because I'm not gonna. Be and so it created these these habits and behaviors. Now what I don't know is did those habits and behaviors also do something chemically inside of me that made me even more attracted or addicted to the food? Which one should you focus on? I think would be the, the, the way to ask your question. And I think it's behaviors all the way. I right. think the physiology, your physiology also affects your behaviors, but your behaviors really affect your physiology and your behaviors are the relationship you have with your physiology. So let's say you're somebody that, you know, let's say you're one of those people that says, oh, my blood sugar drops. Uh, and I don't, you know, I start, I need, I need to eat sugar. I've got, by the way, this is not true for most people. Most people who say this, this isn't true. There's very few people this actually happens to. But let's say this is you and you think if I don't eat, oh my God, I need to eat uh, some sugar. Your relationship with that might be to eat some fruit or it might be I eat some candy or I overeat, right? So I think it's the behaviors that if you had to focus on anything, it would be that. I think that's the biggest, in my experience at least, that's where I've had the most success. Well, it's the most controllable, right? Once it's ingested, I can't do anything about what's happening inside yes. of me chemically. It is what it is. And also but I can make the decision whether I put it in my house or if I do have more than one bite. And so, you know, I do. I actually would do things where I've I've tested that. And I, there's times like if I, if I go to the store and I go, hey, I'm going to intentionally buy this treat that I normally would. And then I'm also going to make sure that I don't eat more than one or yeah. two at a time. I've been able to do it, but it just takes so much effort. If it's like like what's happened to me right now is all these treats have landed in my house without really me actively making that decision. Like if I go grocery shopping and I go, you know what? It's been a long time since I've had some ice cream. I'm going to get myself yeah. one little pint. And when I get it, I'm just going to, you know, I'll wait till a really hard workout day before I have it or I'll just, I'll, I'll chip away at it slowly. If I do that with that intention, I, I have better success with it. But if it ends up like what's happened right now, where it's like, here, take this extra red velvet cake. Oh, here's this pie. And I show and I open the refrigerator and I didn't even know how it got there. And then it's and my my stomach's already craving something. That's why I opened it to look yeah. for it. Boy, is it it's hard for me. And I'm aware of that. You know, so I can't imagine how many people that are are not that self-aware on how easily this sneaks well, up on my them. favorite uh tip for that, because you just said it right there. You're aware. You're aware enough to know what you need to do for yourself and what's going to be the challenge. That's the key. I think the key is to become aware. And then if you are aware that you have a challenge with a particular food or type of food, he, what I would always recommend, and this was very effective, and I do this for myself even, is you just create a barrier between yourself and the impulse. Because it's the imp an impulse is literally do acting without thinking, right? Or acting in a less aware state of mind. That's what makes it an impulse. 
So what you do is you make a barrier. So what I would do with myself, and again, I would recommend clients do this as well, and it works so well, is I'd say, okay, uh, you know, Mrs. Johnson, you're if you have chocolate in the house, you know what a struggle it is. It's hard for you to just have one piece. You end up eating the whole box. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to ne never eat chocolate again or tell yourself you can't eat chocolate because that typically results in some kind of a rebound where you, when you are exposed, then you go crazy. So what, what I would tell her is I'd say, you can have chocolate, but you have to drive to the grocery store mm -hmm. and, you and you can only buy yourself a single serving. So you can eat it. If you really want it, you got to get in the car, drive to the grocery store and then buy a single serving. Now, what does that do? What it does is it creates space between you and the impulse, which allows for, doesn't guarantee, but it allows for awareness to step in. So now as I'm putting my shoes on, I'm getting in the car. Now I'm thinking like, do I really want this? Mm. You know, I probably don't. Like, why am I doing this? I'm grabbing whatever, you know, whatever. or sometimes you get it. But oftentimes that awareness, that space allows awareness to jump in and then it stops the impulse. So that's a strategy that I would use all the time. I use that for myself. So like potato chips, oh, yeah. they don't, they don't never in my house. But does that mean I won't eat them? No. If I really want them, I drive to the store and I grab myself. If I a eat too bag. much chocolate, I just like make myself wear a chocolate mustache for a few days. Just <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> make sure you know, like everybody knows. They call that uh, the Dirty Sanchez. Yeah. Oh. It is. Like, gross. <laughs> you know, terrible. So, hey, talking about food He's and driving addict. places. I was, you know, uh, we were on Instacart um, yesterday. Yesterday, or the day before yesterday. And I saw Butcher Box on there. How? Did you guys know that? Oh, how does I that don't, work? So I don't even know. Like, literally, I just yeah. saw this yesterday, the day before. And I sent an email out to Butcher Box to find out more details about this. But I'm assuming they have, like, an a la carte option that you can go through them. I don't I don't know how this works. Well, I know that they're connected to local, um, like, farms and butchers. Are right? they? Well, yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure. So I think depending on the area that you order your food. Yeah. They're connected to local people with grass. Did you know this, Doug? Grass finish. If I'm not I didn't mistaken, know it. I'm yeah. looking at it right now, though. Yeah. See if you can do a little bit of. You know, butcher box is is crushing right now. Are they? Because of the price. Yeah. See, of, look at it right yeah, there. There you go. Look at that. Well, they've been able to keep their pricing pretty consistent. Well, right? yeah, because uh, all you know, prices are getting so inflated, uh, especially meats like pork. Yeah. And butcher box. If you sign up for them, right, you pay your flat rate for your box, and it's. It stayed the same. They've kept all the prices pretty damn good, and well, I think it's because they have less. They have less middlemen, right? So they don't have to. Yeah. If one raises their price, it doesn't affect them because they have less steps in between. You know, this is really interesting to me because I mean, as of right now, they're a you know subscription based model. You know, is that not subscription then? No, no I don't think so. Right? Through Instacart, that's one time, right, Doug? Yeah, it looks like a one time purchase. What I cool? I'm guessing, and I don't know this for sure. It really depends on your location too. Of course. Uh, where their supply is coming from. So, you know, for example, in the Bay Area, for example, you know, it's a bigger population. Maybe it's available there, but maybe not way out. In I mean, kind of. A, I wonder if this is a way for them to sort of fish out there and be like, hey, try our meat that's what, and so then it'll bring you back. Exactly to what I thought. Of, obviously, uh, you know, business-wise, it wouldn't be ideal for us. They're not going through Mind Pump or anything like that. So it's not like we're getting credit for the people. Yeah, you're not going to get the free. What we, but, out free bacon for a Yeah, so it's whatever. not. I'm sure it's not as yeah, good of a deal as their membership, but. What a great way for somebody who's been like listening to the show going like, oh, I've been thinking about it, but I don't know if I'm going to like it yeah. or what that, that you can do an a la carte version of it. Try it out. Make sure it's something that you like before you sign up for their subscription. Oh my God. Speaking of health, uh, one of the best, most hilarious videos I've ever seen in my entire life I saw hmm. uh, recently, Dana White 
Oh, uh, I saw. <laughs> I, saw his, I saw his interview Dude, press conference. Doctor, he got co- hey, Dr. Joe Rogan. Bro, yeah, dude. He got COVID. And he literally, this is what, okay, here's what I love. So did his okay. wife, his kids, they all got Here's it. what I love about yeah. people like Dana White, okay? I don't know the guy, so I don't know if he's a good guy or not, but here's what I love about him. He literally will say whatever. Yeah. He doesn't care what's unpopular, no popular. Yeah. And, he, and he's obviously, you know, messing with people, but he's like, yeah, I, I called up Rogan, went on his protocol, and uh, got and I feel like a champion. Three days later, I talked. <laughs> no, to he Dr. literally Rogan. said Doctor Rogan is what he said. Yeah, you he know, said that to, to you, just, you know <laughs> that is ruffling. Oh, of some course, feathers. that triggered so many people for sure. <laughs> oh, oh my god, uh, that because because it was so Rogan. Did Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron called Rodgers him. called him because mm-hmm. what he did is he got people to do like a bunch of vitamin and nutrient drips, ivermectin, which everybody focused on, but it was human grade prescribed to them, and then the monoclonal, monoclonal antibodies, antibodies, which have antibodies. the research right. The monoclonal antibodies have all the research showing how um, effective they are. But the fact that they're doing this, and what makes me laugh is, remember when CNN went after Rogan? Mm-hmm. I kept saying he took a horse dewormer, and even after, he's like, listen, my, doc- my doctor prescribed it. It's human grade. It, yeah. it was, it's been prescribed to billions of people. Like, stop calling it that. They kept doubling down. They just keep pushing that button. And he's just going after CNN. And now to have all these, now have people like Dana, they must be like, oh, yeah. like, oh their heads they, are spinning. Oh, they probably had in their boardroom, you know? All right, how can we take down <laughs> Joe? You can't. His audience is 10 times bigger than yours. So, well, speaking of the fight yeah, game, you guys God. see what is going on with uh, Jake Paul? So Jake Paul had finally got uh, Tyson Fury, right? So he got the okay. yeah he got the one of the Fury brothers who's like or is Tyson is the I always forget which brothers which right which one's the pull up the Fury brothers and remind me which ones the, I think it's his other yeah so Tyson Fury's brother his younger brother yeah yeah it's his young it's his young, his younger brother right the one that's not obviously not as good of a, a fighter as he is he was supposed to fight I think on December eighteenth against Jake and I guess he backed out. Some, mm. I don't I don't know what health issues what it was but I mean Jake Paul of course did a video so that talking shit like it was you oh, know of course. he was scared is why he backed out, out of that. but Woodley stepped up to take it out Tommy that's what oh, okay. it is okay. yeah, Tommy. you know what I've been reading I've been reading that I, uh, there's like a, a theories and somebody came out and said that the rumor or whatever that he Paul is having these fighters sign contracts saying that they will back out, back down if they start to like hurt him or knock him out. What? Yes. So somebody, okay, so what was the last fight he did? Remember when the guy hit Woodley. him against the ropes, but then yeah. he came back? Somebody came out and said, oh, he made him sign a contract saying that he, because if you watch it, it looks like well, Woodley loses the killer instinct. That's not true. Mm, but that's got to be thing. a bullshit. Why these not? Are, these are sanctioned fights, but they're not under the same rules yes. as the rest of yeah, the Yeah, but how do you even, leagues. okay, so you're saying that. So who knows what he's actually putting Jake in Jake Paul had him write in the contract that if I'm about to get hurt, you back off? Yes. So in other words, let's say you and I are about to fight okay, and yeah. you're a pro fighter and you know if you fight me, I'm going to guarantee you're going to make $5 because. That's yeah. these guys are making big money. Yeah. And he says, but and here's an NDA. You can't let anybody know this. We'll sue the shit out of you. And in there it says that you will if you you'll you'll if you you'll spar with me and you'll notice if I if you start to hurt me, you'll back down. The idea is to make it an exciting fight. So the reason why I don't believe mm. that is because he just came out and said that in the contract he's giving uh Woodley a half a million dollars if he can knock him out. So how do you do both those? How do you say if I'm if I'm about to hurt? Because you well, can tell publicity. You, yeah, that's, you can talk yeah. about the part of the contract you want people to know, but not the other part. Right. You like, don't know if he's gonna make it, more. That yeah, makes that, him look good. That doesn't make sense though. Okay. You can't you can knock me out, but you can't hurt me? No. How do you no, ma- maybe he's telling everybody 
in the contract, he'll get 500 grand. He's advertising about. it to hype the fight. But what he's not saying is, that, well, he's going to make more money if he doesn't. You, we don't know that. And by the way, it's not the first time fight fight the fight sport has been marred by this kind of shit. Let's oh, be honest. Please. It's the most. Yeah, dude. It's 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 been especially one of the most, boxing. Yeah, oh I don't. I think you guys be watching too much of your conspiracy theory stuff. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. That's a listen. My conspiracies are all around. Because, just I mean, Maxwell. About, okay, that's okay, where I'm at. Hey, these days the conspiracy theorists are freaking. They're, 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 they're killing. They're right all right. Did you see that meme? What is a, a com conspiracy? What is, it was like a brain. You know, what does a conspiracy theory look like right now? And it was just like a brain. That's yeah, all. It's yeah, just, yeah, like dude, a normal yeah. operating brain. Yeah, I, I just think that's just uh, ridiculous on how... Because yeah, you got to think, it's a contract. So you're saying that, okay, he could potentially lose it if they... If they hurt him or went after him. So how do they decide whether that was too much or not? Like, who, who says... What he did last time to him wasn't too much. Like, mm. You know what I'm saying? What would nullify the contract? I have no idea. Yeah, I, it I just, was this was a rumor. But yeah. my, here's my point with it. My point with it is it is entirely plausible because if you and I sign a contract and before we sign the contract, you can't disclose this to anybody or I'll sue the shit out of you. Yeah. And I'm, you're going to make a ton of money while we're doing this, and it's fun. It's exhibition. Who cares? I I could see some people being like, okay. I'll go in. Now, here's where the issue, here's where I'm on your side, Adam. Does a fighter's pride matter more to them? Like, if I was a pro fighter fighting some YouTube person, right. I'd be like, I don't give a shit how much money you offer me. Like, yeah. I'm not going to let you, like, beat me. In yeah. front of but then again, fighters have done it in the past, and it's been proven. Well, yeah, and so far right now, he's fighting people who are, you know. They're already lo well, they've yeah. lost their. Mm -hmm. And you said, okay, so you're the one that watched the Woodley fight last time, right? I, did. It, I watched both of his fights, the last two, yeah. Now, how do you think he would fare the second time around now that Woodley sort of has a good feel for him? So, again, he's going to get my money. I'm going to Because I think Woodley w almost had him. I thought I thought Woodley uh, didn't it look like he he like kind of laid off. See, he, I didn't think so. I you watched didn't think the, so. Yeah, I watched the fight. I didn't feel like Woodley. I think I think there the first couple rounds. I thought that Woodley really like was kind of playing cat and mouse a little bit, maybe feeling him out was was being timid. And then as the rounds went on, I think Woodley started to build confidence, and then it got really scary. I thought for a little bit there for Jake. But then it, it there was never a part in it where I thought somebody was throwing a fight or you know doing anything like that. I didn't look, and I thought Woodley almost had him. So I this the second go around, like it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting if Woodley was truly training this entire time because he's taking this fight on a short notice. Yeah. It was it's December eighteenth, and it was supposed well, that's to be interesting because I mean I've heard so many different uh, people he's been trying to get into the ring with him, and I heard like uh, Mike Tyson was one yeah. that he was trying to entertain to bring in, and Tyson was all about it, and then I, I didn't hear much. Maybe he got cold feet about that idea. Yeah, that would be interesting to me. Two things: first, Tyson's a monster, but he's also old. He's and old, out of but it. he's still a killer. Oh, he's still a killer, but. Man, if 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 I saw Tyson get knocked out by a younger, you know, even if it was Jake yeah, Paul, would, that would break my heart. It would. Yeah, I would hate that. I would devastate. <laughs> it's Tyson. <laughs> I, I mean? want to see that. Yeah, by by the way, uh, every once in a while, I'll go on YouTube and find old videos of Tyson when he was 17, 18. Have you ever seen him yeah, when he was a kid? Well, yeah. Diesel, dude. He's, He's a child. Jacked. He's a year older than my son. And you watch these videos of him fighting. Yeah, yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. It's absolutely terrifying. What he could, Speaking of old videos, uh, you know what I did uh, also this weekend is I looked up old uh, workout and bodybuilding motivational videos from the 80s and the 70s, <laughs> Dude, especially the 70s. You know what's so cool about that era? When, you, when these guys and people were working out 
there was, first off, they were barefoot, shirts off, whatever. There's no music playing. They would go into the gym and that, imagine this, you're working out in a gym, there's no music, all you hear is grunting, clanging, (laughs) counting. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a serious work environment if you think about it. I mean, how kind of you gotta different, think that, right? I bet. Totally I, I wonder who introduced like music playing over like the loudspeaker, like commercial. Like, what was the first commercial gym to do that? Because I'm sure they were. I'm sure most gyms looked like the Venice Beach gym where they were kind of grungy yeah. and there was no music and there were only maybe 20 people in there at most. Like, I wonder who was the first to kind of introduce like this this kind of commercial like style LA fitness or Nautilus. Well, or- I, so in the 80s is when that started happening. A little bit from my understanding, I may be wrong, but I know that bodybuilders would bring a uh, boombox to the gym uh, yeah. sometimes and listen to music and do their thing, and that kind of started. But back in the back in the 70s, there's no, there was nothing, you're just working out, you're going to work. I was watching some old videos, and what I like to do is place myself in there. And I'm like, man, what would that be like to walk into a gym? It's awkward, dude. And I don't know, man, I would, I think I'd be hyped as hell. To work out in an environment. Just hearing people breathing and clanging and uh, grunting. I don't know, dude. I'd be like, where am I? Am I in a bathhouse? <laughs> what? What's happening in here? Just, yeah. Justin's like, I'm getting weird feelings. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I, I can't, am I in the right place? Hey, speaking of uh, of health and stuff like that, so the study came out on Viagra, which is- which is a great very, transition. Very fascinating. Yeah. They connected Viagra to a massive reduction in Alzheimer's. Really? Yes. Now, here's the funny thing. What? <laughs> here's the. Let's see if you guys get. <laughs> yeah, the, I have some other connections. But no. And now, here's the funny yeah, thing. Okay. The study yeah, literally okay. says Viagra, Viagra connected to a 69 percent reduction in Alzheimer's. I'm like 69 percent. All right. Is this a joke? Yeah. No, but really, the study showed that there was a huge reduction in Alzheimer's. They think it has to do with how it improves blood flow. It's also been connected to reductions in stroke. Right. Uh, you know, is it that or is it that people who are using Viagra are having more sex? That's, that so I was be, just going to say, how, I wonder if you could connect something to just having more sex to that. Or more quality of life. Yeah, if you're if you're somebody who was either never having sex or rarely having sex in your 60s, then all of a sudden you're having sex frequently. I'm sure there's some health benefits to that. I would agree. Regardless of Viagra is assisting you to have that sex or not, yeah. I would think that the sex would have some positive benefits to you health Now, I would agree, but I also remember reading a study that showed that the Viagra use was connected to an increase in divorce among older couples. Oh, yeah. So like uh, men and women in their 60s and 70s, once they're married after 20, 30 years, the, you know, the divorce rate goes way down. They usually don't divorce. Get a little more promiscuous at the uh, retirement. Yeah, rate. I read this article that said that like all of a sudden, you know, the wives are like, cool, my husband's not coming after me anymore. Yeah. It's all good. We're just going to hang out. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, babe, you know, okay. I'm back. Yeah. And she's I was like, just outside on the rocking chair and uh, <laughs> started like, to feel some things yeah. happen. And she's like, oh, hell no, you're not. <laughs> so I don't know. I will say this. This is going to, I'm going to make this prediction right now, just from everything I'm reading on these PDE5 inhibitors. I think that these are going to be some of the most widely prescribed drugs in the future, not just for erectile dysfunction, but for health, for strokes, for heart health and all that stuff. Just from what I'm reading, it's really interesting. That Viagra will be? PD-5 inhibitors. Maybe Viagra could be the other ones, but that class of drugs, they're connecting to all these like improvements in health, which I think is 
really interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, very. Wait, what was the company that we uh, talked about for a little bit? We had them. They they paid for a couple commercials with us. Roman. This no, last no, 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 Blue Chew. No. Blue Chew. Blue Chew. They they they're exploding right now too. I hear them on the radio all the time. They're yep. all over the place. Yep, yep. And they're making it easier and easier to get right. So it used to be really hard to get a hold of stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. I think it's 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 they're going to start to prescribe it more and more because of these. There was even I mean one of the articles I read about strokes was this this uh, researcher said yeah. We think that this this drug is going to be widely prescribed just to prevent strokes mm. in people. And then I read another article in relation to COVID. Increased strokes. That they were saying <laughs> could, Sorry. more strokes, less strokes. Yeah. Uh, they were saying that this could be a potential. They were investigating it as a potential treatment for COVID to prevent some of the vascular damage uh, that COVID can cause in a lot of people. Mm. Which is, now, again, speaking of health, I got some stats on, on physical therapy, the physical therapy industry. Somebody sent me uh, this morning. Really fascinating. Trip off this, right? Did you guys know the physical therapy industry in the U.S. right now is worth $33 billion? Just physical therapy? Wow. Just physical therapy. It's it's projected to grow 18% by the year 2029. So however big it is now, we're looking at consistent growth year over year. Check this out. Physical therapy can lower patient, patient treatment costs by 72%. What? Yes. So- Insurance. This is why Luna, for example, is even exists, and why insurance companies love them. Because if you're an insurance company, you want to lower your cost. Mm -hmm. Physical therapy reduces the costs of other treatments by seventy two percent. Now, do you think what's the why the growth? Why why the the huge jump? Do you think it's just because of the age the of baby boomers finally kind of coming to that 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 population needing that would be my guess. Most? That's or? part of it, and I think the other part of it is the. Uh, understanding and acceptance that movement and correctional exercise mm. can solve a lot of pain and a lot of issues. Whereas before it might've been like surgery, painkillers, right. don't do that movement anymore. Now we're sitting preventative at, health measures. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. yeah again, keeping the body functioning, moving, you know, keeps you healthy and out, out of the doctor's yeah. office. Speaking of Luna, by the way, did you know they have a, um, like a calculator on there for practitioners? No. So, okay. So, so for people oh, to tell them how much they make if they want to. Oh yeah, yeah. Like yes. So for people that know, oh, right? I did see that. Luna is a company that um, is connecting people to physical therapists. They come right to your house. You don't have to go to a, a clinic or anything like that. Your insurance covers it. You don't have to go through your primary care physician. And the therapists make more money. There's less paperwork. It's like a total industry really disrupting uh, technology and company. But what they're they, they're in constant need of more physical therapists. They have a calculator on there for a PT who can figure out how much they can make through either moonlighting with Luna or going full time. Doug, mm -hmm. I, I know you have it up. Is there any other information that? Yeah, I just go to the getluna.com and then at the top of the the page there, there's a link for therapists. Click on that, and then there's a little box that you click on that calculates how much you can earn. Yeah. Well, of all the companies that were invested in, it's the one that I think unanimously that we all agree is has the most potential. Oh, I mean, huge. rarely do you see something that disrupts a space this much where like everybody wins, right? Normally, like a new business comes into town like this, and it there's oh, somebody might be making out or one or two parties, but it's like yeah, patient, physical therapists, insurance companies. Yeah. Like, how on the it's hell? better for all three of them, and if there's a situation where 
all because you think like, oh, if it wasn't better for insurance companies, they're going to be they're going to put a halt on that. That's not going to happen. Right. Or if it's not very good for the doctors and stuff, they're going to put a halt on this. They're going to they're not going to do it. But when it benefits everybody and everybody wins, uh, what, that's why it was like a no brainer. Yeah, well, it was interesting. I mean, I did kind of have a, a bit of a theory with the lockdowns and everything uh, coming back into playing like really strenuous sports and athletes. I've noticed quite an uptick in injuries. Uh, oh, because they took late. time off. And yeah, then they went back. from all the time off and, and people not properly, you know, keeping their body, uh, you know, the, their joints and everything else like healthy. And, and the uh, NFL speculated on that. Yeah, did they really? Yeah, yeah. Because of this, the, the the season was off. They also speculated that with the NBA because they had that short season, then ran back another season without the normal off time that they would. That there was this uptick in injuries and stuff because of that. So a lot of players were not wow. were not practicing as much as they were, and then they ran to because. The season got cut or short because of the beginning of COVID, and then it got pushed back a little bit, which made it closer to the new season that was coming around. And because that shortened up their training window to prepare for the season. They didn't get as strong or, yeah, they didn't yep. as protective as they should have been. Well, so I think, in my personal opinion, is that estimate of how much it's going to grow by 2029, I think is way low. Because there's two markets that I see that are going to explode with for physical therapy. One is the younger market uh, because kids are so less active. They're not playing outside like they used to. You're seeing kids now with back pain and neck pain and shoulder pain and carpal tunnel, which you never saw in children before. And then the second market that I think would benefit tremendously from physical therapy are expecting mothers or people who want to have children and then have children and then post uh, pregnancy, right? Postpartum. Mm -hmm. Like they don't, it is not standard of care. If you're, a, if you're somebody that has a baby, it is not standard of care for them to say, you just had your baby. You need to go through six weeks of physical therapy. I mean, they'll give it to you if you're like, oh, I have some issues with, you know, my. Yeah. That is crazy. They don't prescribe. That. No. And it should be. Yeah. It, it, I can't think of a more like valuable oh. thing to work on pelvic floor. A and, traumatic experience for the body. Yeah. Core control. And, you know, there's all kinds of hip pain and pelvic floor, especially pelvic floor issues that women will get uh, after having a baby um, or C-section, right? What that does to the core and, oh, I can't connect to it, but they don't know. Like a lot of people don't know what's going on. I think it should be standard of care. I think after you have a baby, it should be like traditional standard of care that you go, when you're ready, you go get physical therapy for six weeks. And I think it would make such a tremendous impact. And I feel like that market's about to explode. I mean, it's not a bad bet. I mean, it needed to be more accessible like this. Exactly. Now. I mean, before, no way. But with this, there's exactly huge, huge potential. Yeah, now. you're a new mom. You're not going to go drive to a clinic, you know, uh, at, when you're at, for six weeks postpartum. You're not going to do that. But if they come to your house... Mm -hmm. then yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would do something like that. So no, talking about more crazy stuff and also humbling, uh, seeing the people share the Spotify wrap ups this year was crazy. Awesome. Dude. Yeah. So didn't we cool, see someone that listened it. to like 58,000? So there was, that was the winner. The winner was 58,000 something minutes, which I, I don't know how many episodes that, that isn't made. it crazy that like Apple doesn't put that kind of effort into podcast. Like, like Spotify does really cool things like that to like help yeah. kind of promote everybody and, and show. that's because they're, that's because their whole business model is built around driving more subscribers and more listeners where Apple, right. it's the podcasting space is like a, is a total afterthought. Yeah. yeah. They make Step so much child. more money everywhere else with phones and computers and all mm -hmm. the other stuff that the whole podcasting feature is such an afterthought where Spotify, it, their whole model is around digital streaming. Yeah. So Plus Apple of, could buy Spotify later. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, they could, right? No, no, totally. Speaking, speaking of that, so check this out. So 
part of why, you know, do you know why Spotify does that wrap up like mm. at the end of the year every year? Is it because they know people will share? Yeah. And guess what it does to the numbers? It must crush. 21% increase in download traffic for them. Wow. No just because people are sharing it, which Doug and I were talking before because I shared this with Doug before we uh, got on air. I actually think, Sal, that has a big reason why we had this record week we just had. So we had a record week in downloads for us. Is because we just went, we just had all those that we just shared. And if Spotify sees a 21% increase in their downloads, and we have, we probably had a hundred people share their wrap ups, and Mind Pump was their number one, and they had listened to tens of thousands of minutes of Mind Pump. Yeah. And every, I think all the people that are seeing that in everybody's stories, I bet that actually had an impact on us, even. That's an interesting, interesting. theory. You know what? To, to the point of like, like Apple acquiring Spotify, I don't think they would. And the reason being is what happened with them with uh, Beats by Dre. And the, the literal reason why they even bought into it wasn't because of the headphones. It was because of the streaming side of it that they were developing. And oh. that they tried yeah, to I don't think into. Apple would do that. And so it's, but, but they already, I mean, Apple streaming is not a thing. I mean, unless mm. somebody like out there like argues it and knows a bunch of people that use that feature. I don't know. Very few people. Yeah. I, I know a couple people that, that do, but it's, it's very limited in comparison to like Spotify. I mean, even like iHeartRadio is making a well, run for like that. They're, I mean, if you, if you're the future of podcast, obviously is huge. It's uh, the way people are going to be consuming most of their talk media, which is a huge market to begin with. It's still, by the way, people still more people listen to talk radio through the radio than through podcasting, but it's changing very rapidly. You have to have um, analytics. You have to provide people with analytics and metrics. Spotify does that. Apple does not. Yep. And if you're building a podcast and you're a host and you have a show, you want analytics. You, so I don't know how long Apple's going to get away with that. Right well, now, they still are yeah, the dominant. Yeah, I don't know. It's a mystery to me. So what's your, do you guys think it's smart? Do you think it's dumb? What do you, what do you think? What, what's that, what Spotify? No, no, no. What Apple is doing by, oh, not, by not doing it. By just it. not doing it and waiting for mm -hmm. the market to really... Yeah, what's your thought? You know what's funny is I think it's dumb, but I... They're waiting for it to prove itself. And, also, and in terms of all the money they make from the other stuff that they do, it's probably not, right? They're probably looking at everything as, well, we well, can invest money know. here. It, my thought is like their head's so far in the clouds with trying to create a car and do all this other shit yeah. that like nobody needs... You know, where this is something that's like right in front of them. I think they, they just are neglecting it. I mean, what's uh, Doug? Look up the estimated estimated revenue from podcasts right now. I think it's smart, and I think it's I think it's uh, peanuts compared. I to think how it's no different than the, than the thing that we've experienced in our small little bubble in our world of you know scaling a company to the size that we have right now. And what do we say is one of the biggest challenges is saying no. Yeah, mm -hmm. is there's opportunities to do so many different things, and it really easily you can get distracted by going left then right then back this way and that way where yeah okay all of podcast advertising nothing 80, 800, not even a billion dollars not even a billion app that's like peanuts to apple that's yeah. right so right. my theory is it's really smart because they're gonna go ahead and let all these guys fight over it find the, the top dog reverse yeah. engineer it or steal that's or right buy them. that's yeah. right yeah. Yeah. now i think at some point it's going to be something they're going to want to look at. Yeah. But right now. Maybe I bet. So uh, you talked about this also, Sal, the other day off air. We we're talking hmm. about um, one of the things that you wanted to do. And we all agreed is, you know, because we are getting our hands in so many different things that we should sit down, have a meeting and come up with rules. What are going to be our rules on do we invest in this company yeah. or not? That way we don't like get distracted every time something falls. Yeah, get excited. Our, right. So we, oh, it doesn't check all the boxes. Move along. Just keep going. Right. I mean, don't you think a company like Apple has the same thing too? Of course. We don't sure. even fuck with anything until it becomes billion. Unless it's a billion dollar space that we can come in and disrupt, 
I don't care how cool it is, how fast it's growing, how neat it is. If it's not even a billion dollars, we're not going to waste our time going over there. That would be my my guess. So they saw Netflix just finally get to that billion mark, and they're like, oh, shit. Okay, now we got to create this whole streaming service, and then they did it. Yeah, it's like they'll let other people prove the market valuability, and then they'll jump in with all their cash and their power. makes sense. And then they'll do some. Speaking of cool technology, I have to show you guys this because I think it's – Doug, I just texted it to the group if you could pull this up. There's a, they're going to build, or there's a concept that they're thinking about building. It's the first kinetic energy launch machine that will be launching things into space. Stop it. That's kinetic energy? Do you so, know what that means? Yeah, yeah but so how they how they build They're going to literally throw energy. something into space. There's no, no propellants wait, or anything. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, watch. Isn't it just like you're coiling something? No, no, no. So if you're watch, like- watch this video. Doug, start in the beginning. So that thing right there spins so fast. <laughs> and, then, and then what it does is at the right moment, it launches <laughs> Bro, the rocket. Look at this. Hey, who signs up to do that? Look at this. No, it's not people. It's going to be launching uh, satellites. satellites. Oh, okay. So And then the, the boosters don't kick in until it gets into low orbit, in which case you need way less So does fuel. that take less energy to create of course. the- yeah, Yeah. Well, the kinetic energy, like-, like, like Cylinder, yeah, because um, one of the problems of launching shit is you know how much uh, like gas, gas or yeah, 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 yeah. resources it takes oh just to get it off the ground. So many, so much energy is required to launch a rocket fuck? into space. Not to mention that's probably the highest risk part of launching totally. a rocket. Well, you the, can't you can't put astronauts in there though. No, uh, no, no, no. Their no. brains no. Will explode. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine that? Oh! <laughs> but I mean, how oh, cool! It's like teacups from hell. But does how it cool, say right? how much? Does it, Doug? Does it say how much G force it creates? It's got to be something. No, it doesn't say. Oh it's, my god, it must be like insane, dude. No. But what it does, it literally it's it it spins so fast, and so, it launches it into low orbit, and then once it hits low orbit, it it'll then it'll turn on its boosters. So who's the, who's the company who's That's doing this? It says genius. spin launch, but who owns this company? I have no idea. I thought it was just so cool. I was watching this and I was like, what? "Yeah, where did they, where did you see this?" I was. Yeah. It just showed up. Oh my god! In look my at feed. that. Yeah, you, you ain't putting a person in that. No, hell yeah. no. And then look, look with high precision. Look at this example though. It's so sick. And it literally just, and it's in it. Oh, so it's in a vacuum. So it's in a vacuum. Oh, yeah, and it, yeah. it only so opens. No friction. No friction. No friction. Just but look, straight look out. It. It's just throwing a rocket into space. It out. That's like a Superman movie, you know, when you throw shit in into space. Yeah, no, that's wild. How rad I mean, is that? that would be a great one for this whole, like, hysteria over trying to deal with meteors and things okay. coming, right? Yeah, yeah so they're already attacked. I know, like, Elon Musk and people are already trying to address this So, um, So two things. Problem. One, it's a 10, 10 times reduction in cost. That's what they estimate. Number wow. two, Number two, remember NASA during the space race, they, they, they made it look like, no, we're going to get to the moon first. Cause we, but reality is what they want to do is show the Soviets that we can, we can, we have the technology to put a man on the moon. Yeah. This could be a very cheap way to do an intercontinental. You should call this the David, like David Goliath does yeah. this whole. Uh, oh, wow. That's yeah, a great name. Missed opportunity. So this will be a great way to be like, we could, we have intercontinental ballistic missiles that we could launch for hella cheap and oh then we'll throw it at you. Now- <laughs> Now is this all? <laughs> is this all theoretic right now, or is it like, is it really possible that it, it can do this? Or I mean, have they proven they can do this, or is this just like a concept? I think right now this is a concept, and they uh, and they're like, oh, the physics, you know, t- totally, you know, work out. So I don't yeah, know. Who would ever have thought? I mean, I would never have thought that would be a way to launch a freaking low missile tech. into space. Yeah, why don't we just throw it? Yes, yeah, throw it, guys. <laughs> We're way overthinking this, yeah. <laughs> you know. But I mean, how how awesome is that? Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. You know what else is really awesome? I just saw this video. It was on uh, ESPN. These kids were on a group chat call, and one of the kids was calling in one of his other buddies, and he was off by one number, 
and he called the DB from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they were in the locker room, and Tom Brady got on and everything, and it was just a couple, no of yeah, a couple of kids of some Michigan. Is that a true story? Yeah, it's a true story. They actually showed clips of it. Uh, the kid was, I mean, imagine that you're on there with your like five friends, you're all high school buddies, yeah, and some like that. answers the phone. Yeah, yeah, and you go and you dial one of your friends, and because he he accidentally misdialed by one number, and he landed on like the defensive back for the Buccaneers. They landed yeah, on hit, hit the lottery. Yeah, hits oh, his yeah. number. He answers it, and this kid is like live streaming into the Buccaneers. Buccaneers locker room, and then Tom Brady comes over and says hi and stuff like that. Like, wow. imagine being those kids. Dude, that dude. is so what fun. A great day. Hey, real quick, you know what I used to do? Because it's the, it's the holiday season. There's There used to be a phone number, probably exists, that you can call and Santa Claus will answer yeah. the phone. There's one for the Grinch, too. Okay, I used to threaten my kids with this. It was so yeah. effective. Like, oh, oh, you want to act up? And I put my phone on the speakerphone. I'd be like, I'm calling Santa. Oh! I'm sorry. You I'm know you could you could uh, yeah. you could send a letter to the post office and they'll re yeah. they'll, they'll write write you back. I know. Yeah, yeah. No, but the call is great, bro. Yeah. That's right. Wait, your does son's it, a little older. And does the call still shit. exist? I mean, can you do I it? Think if you guys, so I don't know what it is. I think but it does. I forgot the number, but I used to call. I did it, it one time. Literally, my, my kids will freak out. No, Papa, please yeah. don't. Now, call. are you guys doing the Elf on the Shelf? Do you guys do no. that? Yeah, I'm still doing it. Like, so my youngest is still like, I believe in Santa, and and the Elf thing is still part of that. And so I've like, and it's so funny because every year you get worse and worse with the thing mm. like he's, hey, he's here he's like, ah, i forgot by the way i posted yeah. a meme that nobody figured out so i'm just going to give it away and yeah. we'll show I had it a poop in uh, uh m&ms today just so you know oh yeah. did you really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's All like brown. sitting in his own little thing <laughs> <laughs> and just like drops it so i did a meme that nobody could figure out we'll post it on the youtube channel. anyway it's a picture of like an x-ray and it shows like a pelvis and then there's a planet and everybody's like what is that it's uranus in uranus so it says we have elf on a shelf and then we have, and nobody guessed it. Everyone's like Jupiter. I saw it too, and I didn't Uranus get it. And it's Uranus, Uranus, Uranus and Uranus. I saw, I saw all that post. I was like, I don't get it. I yeah. have no idea what that is. I, it was like, it looked like Saturn inside your stomach. It's Uranus, and, yeah, yeah, and Uranus. Yeah, I didn't get it there at all. Go. It was too, definitely too a dork. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely a nerd yeah. joke for sure. That's why I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, if you're into fitness, and I know you are because you watch and listen to this podcast, you probably want your kids to be healthy and fit as well. Well, we work with a company called Serenity Kids. They make baby food that is very healthy. It's nutrient-dense, no sugary fruits, healthy fats, ethically sourced meats, bone broth, purees, there's grain-free puffs, it's meat and veggie pouches. Like They have the best baby food. In fact, it's the only baby food that I feed my one-year-old son. So if you're interested... You can head over to myserenitykids.com. That's M-Y-S-E-R-E-N-I-T-Y kids.com and use the code MP20 with no space for 20% off your first order. All right, here comes the rest of the show. First question is from James Errors95. What are the best and worst exercises to do cheap reps on towards the end of your set? Ah, uh, good old cheap reps. Cheat reps refer to the loosening up of form to get more repetitions done to improve the intensity of a particular set. It's a popular method bodybuilders have used for a long time. Now, here's my opinion on, on a cheat rep. I think, if first off, if you're going to do them, you need to be advanced. You have to have good control, be able to connect to the target muscle, but also realize that the that exercises don't all have the same risk versus reward kind of, you know, ratio, right? Um, some exercises, if your form is off a little bit, you don't increase the risk that much. Other exercises, if the form is off a little bit, you increase, you dramatically increase the risk of injury. For example, Olympic lifts. Olympic lifts, if performed perfectly, are very safe. 
if your form is off a little bit, it really changes the risk of that exercise. Um, other compound lifts can be like that, like a deadlift. You want to have really good form if the deadlift is off by a little bit. The risk goes up quite a bit. Squat, overhead press, very similar. So I think the cheap pre the the cheat reps should probably be relegated to kind of single joint exercises mm -hmm. or exercises at least where the wrist doesn't go up dramatically because you're loosening up the form. Bicep curls, yeah. tricep push downs, yeah, lateral raises. What else? Yeah. yeah, like I, I'm trying to think what else I I have ever done like a cheat rep on. Uh, and you do a shoulder press, but that'd be considered a push press. Yeah, it's a different right? exercise. Right, so it's a different exercise. And there's so, a whole technique to it. Right, so uh, that, those are the only three that I can <sighs> think of where I have you, like put body English on it to get to get it up. To make it, yeah, I yeah. think that a better strategy if you want to increase the intensity by doing more reps would be rest pause. I think is a little better because with rest pause, your you mean form like cluster is, sets. Yeah, so like. Right. Uh, so like, let's say you're doing a set and your form is perfect and you're like, okay, this is it. Like one more rep and my form breaks down. Rather than doing a cheat rep, you put the bar down, you wait 15 seconds and then do another rep. Mm -hmm. And there, there you're getting more reps, but the form remains, you know, really good. It doesn't go bad. This is such one of those novelty things that um, if that you've you worked out forever, like, yeah, it's just, I will never do uh, personally. <laughs> um, but also if... I know that there's been, I guess there's there's proper criticism here for cheat reps within like the CrossFit world. So if you're doing kipping pull-ups, for instance, I would consider a cheat rep uh, that puts way too much stress on the shoulder joint specifically uh, that is problematic. And then also like a um, handstand push-up, I've seen them go down to the ground on a pad where their head gets to the pad and then they kick their legs yeah. to, to get, add momentum for them to pushing up and... And I get it. So this is where sort of that sport side of it uh, pervades and, mm -hmm. and it, it sort of gets in in the mix of like actual strength training. And so I have a big problem with that. But it's more of the compound lifts are, are the most problematic versus single rep where you can have a lot more control. And it's really just about squeezing that last bit of pump instead of- You, you can know, lift the rest of your life and never do these. You don't need to do them. And when you think of all the different, yeah, and, and, and like think of the benefits. Yes, like you, what what extra benefits would you? When you, you get? think of all the different techniques and tools and ways to manipulate mm -hmm. your your training program, I agree. Um, this arguably could be for sure close to dead last, if not dead last. There's just not a lot of other, uh, you know, I can't think of a lot of things that are worse than this as far as the value of it that it adds, as far as you know, different techniques. Yeah. Not to mention that most people that probably do it shouldn't be doing it yet because they still don't even have really great technique. It's a great ego boost, isn't it? Like, oh, I can do another five pounds or I could do another repetition. I don't do cheat reps ever on purpose. Now, I might do them on accident. If I'm in the gym and my ego kicks in and I want to hit an extra couple reps, and I'm sure if I watched a video of myself doing those dumbbell curls, I'd be like, oh, those are kind of a little loose. Or if I'm working out with my buddies, and I want to add a little weight, but I don't do them on purpose anymore. I don't see tons of value. There's other ways to increase the intensity of an exercise. You know, going back to what you said about kipping pull-ups, Justin, that's a completely different exercise. That's a yeah. That's a that's a technique gymnast that move. gymnasts use. Yeah. Well, I've seen. I just know because I've seen people actually try like strict pull-ups, and then as they get fatigued, start like swinging their body yeah. into it, which. 
Yeah. It, again, yeah, it is. It's it's supposed to set you up and to get onto the rings, and so that you know it gives you that sort of mm -hmm. transitionary move to do it. But they've turned it into an exercise. Yeah. What you need to understand is, um, if you are doing, let's say you're doing a set of squats, and you're doing really good form. And then you go to the point where it's like technical failure, right? Your last rep is the last rep you could do with perfect form. But then you push past that and do like three more kind of crappy cheat reps, if you will. What happens is you're, besides increasing the intensity, which we've already discussed, there's a lot of, a lot of ways that are better to increase intensity that don't you know, have to do with making your form worse. What you're literally doing is you're training your body to function in a less optimal way. In other words, whatever you train is what you strengthen. So if the last few reps of my set are bad form, I will actually become stronger and solidify that bad form recruitment pattern. Mm -hmm. So over time, this really can start to pose an issue uh, with your technique and with how you live. So I, I, I agree with, with you guys. I don't really see mm -hmm. tons of value. And I did when I was a kid because... I was like, cool, I could do more yeah, look weight. At these last few reps I can get. But yeah, if you do it too often, it, it will become a pattern that's a bad pattern that is going to find its way into regular uh, strength training. Next question is from I am Sofa King Awesome. <laughs> I love this person's name. What are the most overrated, overrated supplements? Oh, Didn't we do gosh. an episode dedicated to this? I think we kind of did. I think we did, we right? Did. I think it was literally titled that too, wasn't yeah. it? Something well, like that? I think uh, we'd maybe. all agree BCAs. I mean, that, we've talked about that. That was quite in there. Times, so I know yeah. that was one of the, I think we did five. I want to say we did like the five most overrated supplements. Yeah, yeah That's if you're my consuming guess. enough protein. Yeah, branch, branch chain amino acid supplements and essential amino acid supplements are valuable for specific types of people, people who don't eat a high protein diet can, can get, gain some value from them. So if you eat, you know, if you're eating 50 grams of protein a day and you work out and you supplement with branched amino acids, you will get better recovery, you know, better muscle growth, all that stuff. But if you just eat more protein, you'll get that benefit. And then some, if you're eating a high protein diet, it's literally, you know what it is? I actually saw a meme that really illustrated this well. There, there was a guy that was outside, it was raining, and then he had a water hose and he was washing his car. Yeah. And it was like, that's what branched amino acids are like, right? You're, you're, it's like, <laughs> it's raining and you're throwing so extra water. Oh, no, I've seen the water polo one. Yeah. The guy's treading water and he's got a, a, a he's water bottle. He's head. dumping water bottle on his head. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say that's got to be up there. And, it, 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 and again, uh, I see value in specific types of people. I would recommend I, it to clients who eat really low protein diets, but nobody else really benefits from it. I would put uh, fat burners in there. So yeah. I would put most most of the fat, not all. I can't think of any fat burners that I wouldn't put on there. They don't burn fat. That's right. That's yeah. why I think they're, they're- They might make you eat less because they suppress your appetite for a right. short period of time, but they don't they don't burn body fat. They're so, fun. So any fat burner would go on there. BCAAs would go on there. Um, mm. What else do we have on that list that I, that I, I can't recall what the, the five were? I know we had five on there. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, every year, right, new supplements come out and promise the latest and greatest, whatever. I mean, the truth is- Most even, supplements are overrated. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, yeah. you know what? Even the best supplements, okay? We talk about how great creatine is. We know the value of protein if you're under consuming. At the end of the day, I mean, our, our goal should always be to get most, if not all, the things you need through whole foods. Mm -hmm. And and where I see the most value in supplements is to supplement those needs when you can't hit them. So yeah. if you're if you're under consuming protein, then protein powder is extremely valuable. Right. I mean, very very valuable. Uh, but it's even more valuable to get it through whole foods. So if you can 
if you can get it through Whole Foods and not use any protein powder, that's even you're winning even more. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, the, the the supplements are such a small percentage of of the benefits that you get from from training and dieting. Yeah, correctly. I guess too. Uh, I mean, there's there's ones that are just specifically trying to target like for pre workouts or like you know like no explode or like you know the NO two like portion to get you a better pump. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you could just drink a lot more water and and you know you'd probably be doing just fine. Uh, going in that direction versus like adding I know citrulline and all these other things yeah. that have value, but in terms of it stacking up against just like making sure you're properly hydrated, I would think it falls a little bit in comparison. So there's the five we listed before. So we listed branched chain oh, amino yeah. acids, fat burners, nitric oxide boosters. To your point right there, Justin, yeah. testosterone boosters, and collagen. And so okay, the case was on the testosterone boosters were if. Uh, uh, in the context of you having, you know, low testosterone, low testosterone, like really low testosterone, some of them will show. Then a booster can kind of bring you up to a, a, a higher, more normal level. But if you were like I was, a seventeen-year-old kid who's got probably testosterone through the roof when I was trying yep. these things, yep. they're absolutely worthless. It's also, not the, the, the the effect seems to be temporary for testosterone boosters. In that case, you yep. start to see kind of this. Uh, you know, losing effect. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like you have a car and you put a new air filter on it. So does the air filter do something? Well, yeah, maybe increase a little airflow. Is it going to give you like five more horsepower? No, it's not going to give you five more. You might sound a little better, might make it a little bit more efficient. Well, they say it gives you like 15 more horsepower. Yeah, I mean, okay. Have you ever put an air filter, like put an air filter, go measure your quarter mile, put it out, you know, is there going to be a drastic difference? Probably not. Creatine, the most effective supplement that's out there is going to add like a few reps to your lifts. You might add five pounds to some of your lifts. Mm-hmm. Um, does it compare? And creatine is by far one of the most effective supplements that are out there. Just to give you an idea of how how big of a uh, you know how overrated most supplements are. I think most people think that supplements are like thirty percent of their success when it's more like five percent or less. Yeah. Um, of their success. So, I mean, the, 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 and that's just the truth. Like it doesn't make that big of a difference, especially if everything else is off. Like if your training sucks, take all the supplements you want. It's not going to do anything for you. It doesn't make that big of a difference. So aside from maybe filling some nutrient deficiencies where I could see a lot of value, I don't see a huge amount of value for most of them. The other one that I, we talked about was collagen protein, which uh, uh, I think that if you're getting regular getting your protein intake then it's all protein powders are worthless if you're hitting your yeah. protein intake um and then collagen i think uh pulling it out to just collagen protein if you're taking something like whey protein it's superior than that we've already talked about the studies that support yeah. whey protein being more valuable if, if your protein is low and you supplement with protein you'll notice a difference yeah. collagen or whey or you know any other protein and some of them are a little different like collagen you will notice more nail growth and hair growth just because the amino acid profile but if you have, if your protein intake's high, you've got enough of all the amino acids and the benefits that the law provides. Well, I've noticed that gained more popularity, like in the wellness world, especially in, in with women. That's like what the hair, the nails, the skin. Right. It's the yeah. hair, nail, skin angle that they're trying to well, use as like a beauty. Well, along those lines, think of the average female client that you had. Not the not the fitness fanatic, the average female client. They don't eat enough right. protein. So they, so they notice they supplement it. With so they do it. They, they go, oh my notice. God, it works. That's why it's, that's why it's gotten so popular well, because it to those, yeah, there's someone marks. listening right now, 100%. We have enough people that listen that 
they use collagen and they probably swear by it because yeah, my someone, skin, my hair, my yeah, nails. Because yep. someone told them to take it, they started taking it and they noticed those things improve. The the thing that I would say back to them is I guarantee if you got rid of your collagen protein powder and you replaced it with whey, you'd get the same benefits. Mm -hmm. So or if you just made sure you hit your protein intake, that's the one yep. you know, yeah, every day through Whole Foods, you would notice the same benefits. There's nothing magical about collagen because it's but it's marketed that way. It's marketed like it's doing something magical right. for the hair, skin, and nails. But in reality, it's just that you just took somebody who was probably only averaging 30 to 50 grams of protein a day and you just boosted them yeah. to 80 well, to 90. Where to their defense, it is, look, if they're not willing to eat more protein, they're not willing to make any other changes except for taking some collagen protein every day and they're noticing health improvements, To I mean, to their defense, I guess there is value because of the convenience and stuff. But I think that the real question is how valuable are these things in comparison to what they're trying to replace or supplement? And in that context, they're not, right? Uh, protein powders are great when you can't get enough protein from your diet. In comparison to getting protein in your diet, protein powders are a waste of money. So that's, I think, the big point with, with most of the stuff. Next question is from Thabish K., which grip is the best and safest for deadlifts? Yeah, you know, over, this is a good over. question. Mm. You know, it's funny. Okay, so you, the most popular one, you'll see this over-under grip, right, when you deadlift. So one hand is supinated, palm facing back. The other one's palm facing up. And what that does, it allows you to hold on to a lot more weight because the bar doesn't roll out of your hand necessarily. Here's the issue with that. And that was a, that was a lift that was created by strongmen just to get the bar off the ground, then powerlifting obviously allows you to use a mixed grip. Here's the problem with it. If you're not diligent about switching your which hand goes supinated and pronated with every single set, you will develop an imbalance like I did. I developed an imbalance. I deadlifted for years with the switch grip, and I would always, when I go on my heaviest sets, I would always yeah. pick the one I was strongest in. And sure enough, I could see a difference in development between my right and my left side. And still today, I still have a slight discrepancy, even though I've now switched to a hook grip so that both hands are facing forward. Um, so now I don't have to do this switch. So if you use a switch grip, you better go back and forth with every single set and make sure you're even because it does change. I mean, one is supinated. So one, your your humerus is externally rotated. The one that's it's you know rotated inward a little bit, and that's going to change the recruitment pattern a bit. And you will see over time just imbalance between. Well, the I two noticed. Sides. I yeah. noticed. I would get um, uh, the hand that was supinated, so the one with the palm up, right? When it, yeah. I was doing the same thing, I was getting issues in my elbow and my shoulder on that side. So that that side, I w I wouldn't see problems. Where the other side, I wouldn't see any problems. So I went back to doing just double over. And what I just started doing was like, if I couldn't pick it up that way, I just stopped picking it up. Yeah. Like once it, I mean, I went through that kick with you for a little bit where I was trying to chase a number. But if I'm not chasing something, like I'm not competing. Do you anything, use a hook grip at all, or just no? I try to go. You know, when you went on the kick for the hook grip and we started doing it. For a while there, I was trying to play with it. I was so bad at it. it was It was awful. I could not. I couldn't hurts, get. Hurts your hands a little bit. Yeah, I couldn't get it. I, <laughs> I don't know what it is. My technique sucks. Uh, I also I didn't I didn't care enough to be that consistently deadlifting with a hook grip to get good at yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? If it was something, it does hurt your hand. You and you, to, it takes a while. You, yeah, yeah, that's just it. I wasn't deadlifting enough callus, consistently yeah. to get to the place where I'd get good at. It's just uh, fuck it. I'll just do double over and then. You know, if I can't lift that weight, I can't lift that weight. I need yeah. to get stronger. I think I, if I were uh, training clients now, I would, and I was getting to the point where they were getting strong enough to where their get, grip would give out, 
I would teach the hook grip over the the you know the switch grip, the over under uh, grip because. I, I like I've seen it way too many times where you start to favor a side mm-hmm. and it does create an imbalance. And yes, I know in powerlifting competitions, they don't care. You just got to get the weight up. But if you're training your body, you, you got to train it balanced and small changes is like one hand supinated, one hand pronated definitely makes a difference. And a hook grip does take time to get used to. It, it does take time to get used to. It does hurt your thumb. It's not without its own issues. I know people have had, you know, thumb issues as a result of, of doing that, but I, it's at least it's balanced, you know. What I mean, at least yeah. both hands are. are I try to switch right. every set, but that's just because. Does anybody even do like a double supinated grip? I, I don't no. think I've ever seen that. Uh, but yeah, I do try and start out as heavy as I can go, double overhand, and then I just switch after every after every set yeah. just to make sure I don't have. Those I go chalk imbalances. and hook grip, chalk mm-hmm. and hook grip, and you should be able to go pretty far if you get if you get good with it. Um, otherwise, I mean. I mean, I guess you can yeah, use I never wrist wraps. Hook, as much as I hate grip. recommending that, I guess you could, right? Use wrist wraps if you can't hold onto the bar. Uh, but that does also disengage the hands a little bit, and it's. Uh, I think it's important to develop the, the strength of the grip. Next question is from Pizza Kun. How does lack of sleep affect performance in the gym? Does it affect pumps? Negatively. Oh, man. I can't <laughs> think of anything that would negatively affect performance faster. Than lack of sleep. Oh, maybe yeah. just uh, chronic low calorie. No, no. Chronic low calorie long enough. Not faster. Like, imagine if you did, you ate no calories one day, how much that would affect your performance. Now imagine if I had no sleep one night. Like, the sleep really messes up uh, performance. It puts you in... The, the thing with lack of sleep is it is such a stress signal to the body because mm-hmm. for most of human history, the only time you would not sleep at all at night is if you were in danger or scared, or you know, in a really bad situation. And what your body does in that case is it ramps up stress hormones, ramps up catecholamine production, changes hormones, and really doesn't care about the long term because your body perceives the immediate threat to be something that needs to be handled right away. You can forget about your body adapting and building muscle and doing all that stuff in that particular space. Lack of sleep, they've done studies on lack of sleep and they can induce psychosis in people. I don't remember what the it's time frame. In a very short period of time, something. Yeah, it's like three days. Yeah. People like a majority of them yeah. start to go crazy. What about the pump though? Is there anything? Is there is there a direct mechanism that is affected by that? I don't think so. I don't know about the direct mechanism. Um, I mean, you know, if blood vessels are going to be more constricted, you're more stressed. You're probably going to get less blood flow. I for me, it does. Yeah, cortisol would, would that affect it in any way? I don't know if it would or not. Like I don't know. Yeah, I th- I think so. I think it's more. Uh, I mean, the fact that it, the fact that it affects the overall workout means it would affect the pump, yeah. you know, yeah. indirectly. But I don't think there's a direct. I feel it more from the central nervous system. Like I just don't have access to that type of like force production. It's just like it it it, it is so much more fight uh, within what would normally be something I'd have access to if I'm lacking sleep. It just feels like my body like wants to just shut down, and so. I lackluster uh, go through those types of exercises. Now, have you guys had, though, examples of like when you, you were really exhausted, you probably should have took the day off of working out, you, you ramped up on some you know, pre-workout and you did it anyway. You're just full you had, of adrenaline. And then you had like the best workout of your yeah. life though. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's because you're-, you're, you're Very got, occasionally. Yeah, you got happens. fight or flight kicking in. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, so that, I think that that that's why this, I think sometimes- it's tough for people to to like read or yeah. know what they should or should not do because most people that have been lifting for a long time can recall something like that too where they're like, I don't know what these guys are talking about because 
I hit a PR on a day where I only got two hours of sleep and I went and did this and this is how I felt. And like, so I don't believe that bullshit. And that's, I mean, I know that I was in that camp in my twenties cause I, I, I knew that I could draw back to times where I had incredible workouts yeah. where I pushed through. You see athletes like on, you know, benders on cocaine for a few days <laughs> and then they like pitch a no hitter. You yeah. Know? <laughs> You're like, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. I think How'd that was, you a, do that? Who was, that was LSD too, right? Was yeah. It on, yeah on LSD acid? too. Yeah. You know, um, this was the last piece of the puzzle that I put together. Uh, I, I, it took me a long time to figure out workouts. Nutrition probably was next. Sleep took me a long time because we're remarkably, humans in general, are remarkably good at coping with lack of sleep. Yeah. Like we could get by yeah. and we have caffeine and stimulants and, you know, we don't notice. We can, like I said, we can get by. And especially when you're young, man, my motto, literally, I used to say this, it's so stupid. I used to literally say this in my sales meetings. I'll sleep when I die. I used to tell people this all the time. I don't mm -hmm. need sleep. Sleep for weak people. I was, you know, and I would sleep five hours a night. Uh, that was my average. And I would just go and go and go and, you know, and wonder why I got, you know, I would get ill and stuff like that. But uh, it took me a long time to piece that together. Now, once you piece it together, the contrast is dramatic. Mm -hmm. Like go for, you know, even just do like six and a half hours of sleep versus seven and a half hours. And do the comparison, and you'll see that it's a huge difference. Well, I think because of the adrenaline, uh, the in the isolated situation, sometimes you might have this example of where it was great for you. But it, overall, I think the compounding effect of poor sleep and training, I think it starts to take a toll and add yeah, up. Yeah, you know where this really becomes obvious when you have your first baby. <laughs> oh man! Because you're you're sleep. You, you know, when you're in your twenties, you're sleep deprived for like a weekend. Yeah, but you, you know, know what though? To yeah, that exactly. point again, I was back. I was I was on a little bit of a high. For I remember a couple weeks after that. I remember, remember talking shit about it. Remember? You remember how easy yeah. it was? Yeah, <laughs> just like, I, I feel like, good. Oh, Some like, of my oh, best man. workouts have been these last <laughs> couple weeks like that. But guess what? It eventually catches up. Yeah, that's why. So that's that's what I mean by that. It's like, you know, in an, in an isolated yeah. event where it's just maybe one or even a handful or maybe like something like that. up on adrenaline. Yeah. I mean, I just had a child, probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life, yeah, right? Two weeks later, and it, you know, it turns into two months, three months. That's right. You're like, okay, this is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. But I think that that's the that's the part, though, I think that throws people off when you, when you yeah. talk about that. Or even threw me off as a, as a young fitness trainer, like thinking that, oh, sleep's overrated. Because yeah. I used to say, sleep's overrated, you know, because I can, I can power through, I can get through it, I'm fine. But not realizing, man, when you optimize your sleep, how much, and I think that's the better thing to focus on. Not, could I survive or get a good, a, sing, a good single workout on a lack of sleep? It's what, what happens, side look like? what happens when I truly dedicate myself to, you know, a week or mm -hmm. two weeks or three weeks of consistent going to bed at like a really early time for myself or, or preparing myself for bed and getting good sleep and diet, then I think that's the better thing to teach people is like, instead of saying, oh, it, it doesn't affect me that much or, oh, I've had bad sleep and had my best workouts, forget looking at it like that. How about, have you ever actually made an effort to m get great sleep consistently for a period of time to actually see how much it benefits That's you? a great point because the challenge with this is that I think people are in such a chronic state of poor sleep for so long they don't know what they don't know yeah. it's like that they've never experienced it yeah it's like that story you know like the, the, the man that was born with one eye sewn shut and everybody tells him you can you open your eye and he's like i, I see just fine and then finally when they open it he's like oh my god i can't believe what i was missing i have a buddy who all just was always chronically tired he would just you know he, he would always have to have caffeine he would nod off in meetings and just whatever he just thought this is just how it was well anyway 
when he got uh, he had this girlfriend that moved in with him, and she was like, "Do you know that you like stop breathing when you're sleeping and you uh, choke and all that stuff?" He had apnea. Yeah, he had sleep apnea. Did the sleep test. Got put on the uh, what is it called the CPAP machine, mm-hmm. and he's and he's like, "I had no idea." how big of a difference it would make. He's like, it's a game changer. But he didn't know because he had nothing to compare it to. So, you know, what Adam said, I think is uh, exactly right. Like, make an effort to do this for a week so you have a contrast. Otherwise, it's like water. How many times do you get clients like, oh, you need to drink more water? Yeah, oh, I'm fine. Water. I'm fine. And then when they finally do, they're like, I had no idea how much better I would feel from drinking more water. It's really no different than that. Look, if you like our information, Head over to mindpumpfree.com and check out all of our fitness and health guides. We have tons of guides that can help you with all of your fitness goals. You can also find all of us on social media. So Justin is at Mind Pump Justin. I'm at Mind Pump Sal and Adam is at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.